Welcome to the In Between Podcast. I'm Astrid. And I'm Alexis. And we're two best friends on a journey to living a fun, intentional life. We know it's easier to share on a season of life once it's behind you. But what about when you're in the middle of the growth, confusion, and decision-making? This lifestyle podcast is for the everyday gal who loves to travel, talk about business, relationships, fashion, and everything in between. Welcome back to the In Between Podcast. It's one half of the pod, Alexis. And the other half, Astrid. And today we're going to be talking about money. Money, money. She did my I knew it. We have to play it. This is like our own version of um, Taylor Swift's Easter eggs. It's like yeah. how many times does Alexis say on the podcast or sing on the podcast? Right. If you are an OG listener, you know exactly what we're talking about. And if you're new here, that's okay. You're welcome Welcome to our craziness. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. Uh, Really excited to talk about uh, financial wellness because January is our health and wellness theme for the month and focusing in on the financial side of wellness can come with a lot of like mindset barriers too, Um, like looking at finances through a scarcity lens of not having enough versus an abundance lens of like, okay, I'm open to what comes to me. I I steward and manage this well. Um, So there are a lot of like the mindset stuff, but Astrid and I today are going to talk through, you know, some of our financial goals and for the year and like some of the practices that we're putting in place to be able to like actually achieve some of those goals. So that's on like the wellness side of checking in and, and having good like financial hygiene really. Definitely. I am so grateful we live in the time that we do because I feel like a lot of my financial habits and wellness has shifted so much from where I come from because of the abundance of knowledge on the internet. Mm. Like I truly do not think I would be where I'm at or like learning the things of where I want to go without podcasts, posts, TikToks, etc. that I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that's how much you're supposed to have in savings. Or like, I didn't know it was possible to buy a house with only this much amount. And it just blows my mind. And really, this episode is just us candidly sharing our journeys, our stories, um, different point of views on things. And hopefully you can take something away from this. And I think to being able to have clarity on your finances can provide so much peace. Because sometimes Absolutely. we just swipe, swipe, and it's like, oh, whatever. I'll just, I'll just take care of it later. <laughs> right. There. Yeah. We, so- we want, we want to make short-term sacrifices for long-term gain, mm-hmm. and instead of making short-term gains for long-term sacrifices. So it's looking at, okay, what are the decisions that I'm making right now that you know, sticking to a budget, not overspending not not spending based on our emotions like really being tied in with our spending habits and our and our goals um, for savings and investments like those are things that we do now so that in 5 10 20 years we can feel the return on those kinds of decisions mm-hmm. but i mean coming from someone who spent the majority of my 20s doing a lot of frivolous spending and, you know, retail therapy. Like I feel like I am closing the, I'm almost 30 here in a couple months. I'm like closing this decade with a lot more financial clarity than I began. So no matter where you are in your journey, like I've probably experienced a part of wherever you are. And I'm, I'm kind of speaking from like learning a lot of things the hard way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I come from a background of like just shifting finances so drastically up and down, up and down in my childhood Mm -hmm. that then in my adulthood, I'm like stockpile, stockpile out of fear. And then that fear was holding me back from growing. Um, I will say a side note though, that I'm in a dopamine detox right now. And one of my things, it's going good. It's going really good. Some things have been harder than others, um, some things I haven't been able to fully do, but I've, I've, whenever I haven't been able to fully do it, I've been able to take a step back and be like, okay, why? And I've mm-hmm. learned so much about myself during this process. And so one of these is going to be my in-between, but the other one with the finances is I am not impulse purchasing this month. So see a TikTok fine. <laughs> my Amazon cart right now is 
full, but I have not pressed purchase. On I'm so it. proud of you. Um, but what it's taught me is that like, I really wanted this dopamine detox to get rid of that instant gratification because I want more discipline in my life. And I didn't realize how much those small purchases, it was like a, a fulfillment of instant gratification. It was a reassurance like, oh, we have enough in the bank to buy this. So you could just like buy it without, you know, having to look at it. And it was more of an identity thing of like, oh, I'm that person that doesn't have to look at their bank account and just buy. Mm -hmm. And rather than be like, that's not who I want to be, actually. I want to sure. be, no matter how much income I'm making, I want to know where my money is going and sticking to a budget and be responsible. So it's been a good learning opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, I'm proud of you. And I, I was literally just listening to the podcast Impact Theory by Tom Bilyeu. It's the podcast I sent you this morning yes. on like habits and everything. And he was talking about the dopamine hit is usually tied to distraction the brain is trying to distract us from something that's like that we're trying to face. So his his example was like I'm sitting down at my desk and I've bumped up against a hard task. My dopamine wants me to go get a glass of water, go get a snack, leave the environment that's hard. And so it's like when it comes to scrolling on TikTok or overspending like that dopamine hit is like ooh distraction, distraction from whatever it is that is happening in that day that's making us you know, feel challenged or overwhelmed. And I had never tied it to something that simple of like, mm -hmm. oh, even bumping up against a roadblock at work, wanting to leave my desk. And he's like, I have these rules and guidelines that I follow for myself that like, I will not get up and go get a glass of water until I mm -hmm. finish sending this email. Yes. Like holding yourself accountable in that way, but <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. It really is. And one thing that I have learned through this dopamine detox is how much I did do that. So I would run into a hard thing and I would just scroll on my phone real quick. And so now something from the James Clear book, um, Atomic Habits, is he talks a lot about your environment and how much that has an impact on you. So whenever I sit down, I am placing my phone across. So I have to make the conscious effort of getting up to go get my phone. And that gives me a little stop sign to be like, are we really going to choose that? Are we really going to walk away from this? Are we going to give in to the dopamine you know, of it, like the instant gratification? And so I hold myself back. And so that's what that has. this has really taught me. And this can be my in-between um, is I think just being more aware of how much instant gratification I get from other things, how much when there's hard days, like I had one on Tuesday, I was craving social media scroll. And I didn't realize how much I needed to just sit down and journal and cope through things. And yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you just have to shift your environment, whatever it is that's going on around you, place it across a room if you have to and just power through. And I think those things teach you to choose. Like in that moment when you're when you're having a challenge, you're like, okay, am I going to choose to give in or am I, am I going to choose to um, walk towards the person that I want to become? Right. I love that. I also think a piece of that is the empowerment of choice. Mm -hmm. And like we forget that we have choices and that our mindset and our values and even the way that we process our emotions all comes down to our own like decided effort and decided choice. Like, and I think when you can shift into that place, it can start to feel uncomfortable because you can shift into shame. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's instead recognizing that like you have the confidence to say, I, I can make a different choice. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even care what I did a week ago or an hour ago. Like I can choose something differently right now. Yeah. And so instead of like shifting into, I really want to scroll right now. It's like, okay, I recognize that, but I'm, I'm making the conscious effort not to. So instead yeah. of like the shame or the negativity or the criticism that we can feel when we're trying to change things about our lives, it's like, using that opportunity to look at yourself and how can I build self-esteem? How can mm -hmm. I build confidence in this moment by recognizing that I have different choices that, that I can choose to make? 
A hundred percent. And I feel like January is a month where everyone starts doing a lot of things. And we're right now towards the middle of January and some of those roadblocks have come up. And I think one thing that this dopamine detox has taught me is rather than like in those moments where I did give in or I did scroll too much, being like, well, there we go again. See, you can't complete this challenge. You're not mentally tough, et cetera that's superficial to the goal. So it's really, I took a step back and I was like, okay, why couldn't I stick to it? And then I realized I had some heavy feelings. And then I realized that I cope with social media. And then I had a choice to sit down, even though I already exceeded my social media scroll for the day, I still chose to sit down and process. And then guess what? I haven't exceeded that since because I solved the layer underneath it all rather than just the goal itself. So I think no matter what it is that you've placed as your goal for this month, if there's something that you don't meet, maybe ask yourself why. And it doesn't have to be so deep. It can just be as simple as you snooze. Oh, well, okay. I didn't meet my goal today. Well, I went to bed late. So we're just going to make a really conscious effort to go to bed early the next time. So just really like processing through that I think is, is really helpful. So Um, If you're new around here, um, we do an in-between every time that we have an episode, which is basically just sharing um, what season of life we find ourselves in between. So based off of what I just shared, that was my in-between. I am learning how to, um, you know, not give into instant gratification and um, just power through um, the goals and just be intentional really through it. So what are you in between right now? I'm in between, I've been going through some body stuff lately, like the last couple of weeks. Um, I think that, and I I am going to acknowledge that I'm not going to say a lot of this perfectly. So I just like, I'm just speaking very like frank about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think that I've stopped being proud of my progress And that's really hard to feel that way about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, okay, well, what am I trying to make progress on? Like, Mm -hmm. what about my fitness journey or my body am I trying to make progress on? And like, where has this shifted from something that was really empowering and healthy to something that's like not healthy um, Mm -hmm. to where it's like very critical or very nitpicky. Um, And so trying to trying to navigate that by being like, okay, what are my clear goals? Like right now I, um, I signed up actually as a result of last week's episode talking about body and like things that we're doing for ourselves. I signed up for rituals like supplements and they have one specifically for like bloating. And I'm like, okay, that feels really good. Like that's something that I have noticed and I'm trying to figure out where in my diet is causing me bloating. Like I've cut out alcohol. I've cut out weed. Like, I feel like I've cut out things that would cause me to like overconsume foods I normally wouldn't consume, like door dashing rice box or like sushi and stuff like that. So I am, I'm like at the point where I'm making choices that feel like they're in alignment with my values, but then I'm like not seeing some of the results that I want to see. And that can just feel frustrating. And so I'm in between like how to navigate that with myself in a way that's still very loving and like, what does it all even really matter anyways? But I know myself that whenever I go into the, what does it even matter? I actually end up self-sabotaging more. So like Mm -hmm. that isn't a helpful narrative. Um, So I'm just trying to figure out like what my body mantra is for this year. Like okay, we're just going to continue focusing on getting strong and mobility, like figuring out a clear goal so that I have clear expectations of like what it is that I'm working for, or like we're working towards a 10 K we're working towards being able to do a pull up, um, like a chin up, like, um, Mm -hmm. body weight wise with no assistance. Like I'm just trying to figure out what that is so that I can focus on those goals and not weight and not my size or like what I look like in a video, like just, yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. Thank you for sharing so candidly. I think that's definitely something that so many women struggle with. And, and I love this space that we have of just sharing so 
wrongfully from these moments where we don't have it figured out. And I just like, whenever you were sharing, I was like, I, I feel that because we can, we can tend to have these amazing goals and we know what we need to do. We know what we're quote unquote supposed to feel or think, but at the same time, we're staring at ourselves every day in the mirror. We're looking at mm-hmm. content, we're looking at video and someone took a photo and someone took this. And then you have all these feelings. And I think like for some people who are very goal oriented, who are like focused and you're like, I work for what I want. And, and then when I work for it, it's there. And what right. happens when our bodies just don't. And so right. it's like really be, being able to rewire just, I feel like it takes almost a lifetime because it's all these layers mm-hmm. of navigating that. And so thank you for sharing that. Cause I know that so many women feel seen myself included by being like, Oh, I'm not alone in that. Like I'm not alone in the nitpicking and like looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, I'm going to the gym every, like almost every day. And then <laughs> we're just there. I'm like, I am meal prepping. I am going to the gym five to six times a week. <laughs> like I, yeah. So I, then I think when you can get so caught up in the nitpickiness, you start to actually deny the habits that you've built. So it's like, well, maybe I just need to not go to the gym anymore. Or like, maybe I need to go less or like, you know what? Screw meal, meal prepping. Like it's so much work on the weekends, like screw it. Like you can kind of get in those kinds of moods with it. And yeah, I am, I think as you were talking and I was processing what you were saying, I think what I need to invite myself to do is I need to invite myself to a place of re-acceptance where it's like, I I radically accepted myself and my body. And now I feel like over the last couple of months, I am not there anymore. So I feel like I need to meet myself in that radical acceptance again. That has nothing to do with like changing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because like acceptance Mm -hmm. is like, I see you right now. I see where you are right now and I love you and I see you and I accept you as is. That doesn't mean that we can't have goals, but it's like, that practice of daily acceptance is something that I used to do. And I think I've lost touch of that. Mm. Um, a quick question on that. How did you do it before of like, is it, is it saying that every day to yourself in the mirror? Is it like whenever you see it come up, that's when you speak to yourself. Is it journaling? Like how did you actively accept yourself and include that to move forward? Yeah, it was definitely when I looked at myself in the mirror or like tried on clothes that fit or didn't fit. Like it was like that practice of being like, I I still accept you. I still accept you as is. And I think that a part of my acceptance journey previously with my body was because I was building mental toughness. I wasn't trying to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I was literally just trying to like save my life from my own mind. Like I was just trying to find a way to take care of myself consistently and like show myself genuine care. And it's shifted into something else where it's like all the content is like the gym content and like everyone's got the awesome glutes and like, you know, they just like everyone on social looks a certain way and like my body doesn't look like that. And so I'm like trying to, maybe that's another element is like, there's some overconsumption happening here with like gym uh, content. So Mm. anyways, yeah, that's where I'm at. And like Matt and I have been having a lot of really good conversations about it of like, I really feel like I'm shifting into an unhealthy place. And like, I need you to, I, I would like you to hold me accountable when you see that and like know where I am. So that way, like anything externally that's happening, like you can kind of understand where I'm coming from if I react a certain way or like whatever. So yeah, but it's hard out there. (laughs) Yeah, it sure is. Especially as women who, when we grew up, it's like they put so much value on how we look and everything. But thank you for sharing that. I think it's, it's, uh, as a woman, I'm learning from you of your journey and how you had that radical acceptance because you weren't focused on the way that you looked And then now having to go through a new layer of being like, okay, well, no matter how I look, let's redo that again. So I would love tips and tricks as you navigate this. (laughs) Please share it because I feel that. back as I navigate my healing. (laughs) Yes. 
Oh my gosh. Well, thanks. Well, for we just laughed through it. Yeah, I'm like, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm sweating underneath Money. all of this. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. So let's dive into our topic on money. So if this is the first episode that you're watching of this month or the podcast, we are focusing this month on wellness. So all aspects of it. And one of them is our financial wellness. So we're going to dive right on in. Um, do you want to go ahead and kick things off with like how your relationship with money has evolved very briefly? We do have another episode on this that you can uh, reference back to, but kind of before we dive into all the the nitty gritty. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that I I grew up with a pretty strong element of privilege, like financial privilege. So, you know, when we, like, I had a lot of help. I probably had 90% of help with college. So I'm, I had internships and jobs all through college, but it was just different. It was like, we my internships were tied to my career growth, not financial stability. And I think when I got into my 20s, my early 20s, learning about money and learning, oh, I finally have money. Like I, I finally have my money. I never, I never overspent my parents' money, um, but it was like, okay, now I finally have money so I can really just like unleash myself. Uh, so I think I really struggle with money management, overspending, um, online shopping. And yeah, until honestly, I was probably like, I got married. (laughs) I feel like pre-marriage the first, a year before we got married, I feel like I really started to get better at it. But then I think marriage really helped me now that like Matthew's very budget minded. So that helped me look at the importance of a budget. I still struggle with budgeting. Um, but we look at all of our finances every month now and like doing personal finance reviews weekly or biweekly. So like getting into the habit of looking at how much money do we have? How are we spending it? Where is it going? Let's Mm -hmm. look at patterns. My general financial default was avoidance. So if I don't look at the bank account, if I don't open the bills, then they're not there and I can just keep swiping and spending however I want which is just such an irresponsible way to go about finances. But that is, that's on, I'm being honest. That's how I used to do it now. And now like, now I probably overthink most of my purchases because I've almost swung in the other direction. So yeah, I'm, I am still navigating it, but that's where I've been up till now. That's amazing. I'm proud of you. If, if you're new around here too, uh, you did a no spend November. Which was incredible. Or it was so. um, it was actually no spend September. Oh, was it September? It was September of last year, and that really shifted like around just consumerism in June in general, and like in influencer marketing. Like everyone and their mom wants you to buy something on the internet. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're consuming any kind of online content, like ads, like you're being programmed to buy something. Like your eyeballs are dollar signs to brands and businesses, and so. I've, I work for a brand now. I'm a, like, that's part of my job. Right. So I get the, I get the system, I get the machine. And I think last year I started to see like the role I played in overconsumption and, um, last summer into last fall, like, okay, we're not shopping for every trip. We don't need a new Mm -hmm. outfit for every occasion. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that we can say things like that. And it's like, ha ha ha, like, you know, new trip, new, new wardrobe. And it's funny and frivolous, but it's really irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've normalized overspending to the point where like our generation is really going to struggle financially. Uh, we're, we, we make the most money that we've ever made. We're the most educated. And we also spend the most money. <laughs> like we're the most in debt right now. Yeah. We're so, like, let's travel every month, every two weeks and like right. buy all the things. And I take ownership for like the role that I play in the system. Um, but I'm trying to kind of unravel a lot of that right now as I enter into my 30s to be more wise. And more wise. <laughs> what about you? What's been your journey? 
Um, it's been very up and down. So I grew up in a house where my dad was an entrepreneur. So income was up and down a lot. And by down, down, it it was down, (laughs) like pretty, like we struggled quite a bit. And then after my dad passed away when I was 11, um, the rest of my teen years was very much a struggle of like, even down to sometimes we couldn't pay for our bills, pay for electricity. There was days that we chose between water and electricity. And then there were other times that like things were fine, but it was never fine. Just meant we weren't worrying about our bills. Fine. It wasn't like, Oh, we're able to spend frivolously a ton on things. And so based off of that, then I went off to college and, um, I, was able to get my uh, community college paid for by my mom. And so she like really worked hard to pay for my community college. And so to me, that was like, I have to get straight A's or else I won't have scholarships to go to a four year. Mm. There's no, there's no, and ifs or buts, like this is my full-time job. You got to get straight A's for that. So that's pretty much how I paid for my four year. There was still a bit of a difference in that. And in my, in that year that I was going to transition, someone paid for a financial class for me. Actually, it was like the Dave Ramsey class. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I thought I was going to have to take out a small loan to pay for what scholarships weren't paying for. And when I did that course, you really have to go through every single transaction. I realized that if I were to budget really, 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 really well down to a T, I could be able to potentially pay most of it. And so Mm -hmm. I went semester by semester. So I went to school full time. I also was a marketing assistant um, as, as a, at a staffing agency. And then I would wait tables at night and on the weekend. So I was like a three, three timer since I was 18 or 19 years old. And so, yeah, so I was able to pay for college. It was very stressful every quarter to be like, am I going to make it? Am I not? Mm -hmm. Um, But made it through that. And then after college, um, that's really when like, you know, you get this. It was my first like full salary job. I was like, this is amazing. Still really great with budgeting. And then when I turned 24 or so, I went through some very traumatic things. And so I really shifted into survival mode. And so I just didn't care about my finances. I was like, I know there's enough coming in. Um, I also had my photography business. So I was just like, I'm just focused in my healing. And mentally, I just have no capacity for any financial thing. And so through that, I found myself coping sometimes with shopping. Mm -hmm. And that kind of kicked off some bad habits for me that I've been working on breaking in the past two to three years, where now that I'm not in a fight or flight mode or survivor mode, I still have some of those tendencies of, I feel sad, let's go shopping or whatever like emotion pops up, let's like scroll or and now I can afford this or that. And so that's pretty much been my journey. And now I've shifted back into planning. So um, yeah, so that's pretty much where I'm at. I've also simultaneously been a saver. So when I say that I spend frivolously, I mean that I will save everything. Like I have a set number that I save per month and I will have all my billing and then the extra money, I would just do whatever with it. And I feel personally like I want to steward that extra money better. And there's so much I could be doing for my retirement, for investments, for my future family with that, Mm -hmm. that isn't just a new outfit. So, um, yeah. So especially like from where I come from, I've just felt really guilty at times for spending so frivolously. Mm -hmm. I respect the hell out of you to have two jobs while focusing on your grades, like not only like being a student full-time and then having two full-time jobs so that you can be in school is incredible. And yeah, I just really admire you and respect you for that. Thank you. And I know, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of, um, men and women that have done the same thing. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's really admirable I think when you look at your context, like your financial context, it, it informs the way that you behave. And so like, that's why even Asher and I sharing a little bit of our historical context with money, like it really informs 
our mindset around money, the way we make decisions, how we value it. And as you start to think about some of your own financial goals for the new year, like think about your historical context from a financial lens. Mm -hmm. How have you in the past spent money? How do you save it? Um, Are you scared of it? Do you avoid it? Are you really, really good with money? Like, you know, there are all these different elements and like, are you good with money when it comes to like your 401k and your investments, but you like overspend in being out to eat and like DoorDash and alcohol. Like, so there's, I think that we all have things that we can learn about ourselves when we look at our behavior with money. And I think one of my goals this year is to intentionally set aside about twenty about $20,000 of cash for a new vehicle so that this time next year I can buy a new vehicle and, and put the majority of it like in cash plus the trade-in value of my existing vehicle, which would be about like 30K total. So nice. it's like even something like that where, okay, I know that I need to set aside anywhere from um, $1,500 to $2,000 every month to a new vehicle. Okay. Well, where is that coming from? Like we're saving that. Where are we sacrificing? Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. If you you look at some of your own savings goals and it's like, okay, I want to have an extra $10,000 at the end of the month or sorry, end of the month. Wow. At the end of the year. I would love that. Um, Or you want to have an extra $5,000 at the end of the year to go on a trip or to invest, whatever, to do a renovation at your house. It's like, sometimes I find myself setting that goal but then not actually being like, okay, how much money is that every month I need to set aside? And where is that coming from? And where is that coming out of the budget? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think getting into the nitty gritty, like that can be really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And along those lines too, I, I know we have quite a few college students that listen to this podcast. So in my journey, I, if you would have asked me back then, Asha, do you have enough money to pay for the rest of your semester? I would have said, heck no. And then I sat down and I was like, okay, the Starbucks, the little shirt here, the going out to dinner, like all these little things added up the gifts, the birthday gifts to people. And so for the whole next two years, I was like, I'm so sorry. I just can't. (laughs) I'm in a season that I can't. And so perhaps you're right now in college or you're starting off your career and your budget is a little bit more. Yes, exactly. Because you have other goals. Right. So I guess my encouragement is what is your goal and how much are you willing to sacrifice for it and sit down and anything that is not a bill, add that all up and see how much money you have of that and decide, okay, is getting my nails done every month or every two weeks for $70 worth it if I only have X amount of income? Like it has to be in relation, right? And so one thing that has really helped me is working in percentages and ratios. So as my income has grown, my savings grows, my my spending, I'm allowed to spend a little bit more. And it's right. just able to like, it's not just fixed. Like I only get 500 for X thing. So um, yeah, no matter where you're at in your journey, there is always wiggle room or that's when you can choose there is no wiggle room. Is there a side hustle or something that I can do extra to help me meet that goal? Mm-hmm. And you can focus in like babysitting or photography, like doing a session, whatever it might be that can help you to get to that. Yeah, for sure. Which direction do you want to go in terms of um, like, I know we you had mentioned like rapid firing during different areas of, of our lives. Where do you want to begin? We kind of already talked about like some savings goals, just really quick, general rule of thumb is to save around 10 to 15% of your monthly income pre-tax. So if you're making $5,000 a month, you would want to set aside $500 a month that goes into your savings. And so working up a cushion of around three to six months of your fixed expenses is another really good, like general rule of thumb that Matt, like that's something that Matthew and I like he starts to get a little more anxious than me, but he starts to get more anxious if we're not in that cushion. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I start getting panicky. Like if there's Mm -hmm. less than six months and I do that for my business too, there's less than six months on there. I freak out because there's so many 
unexpected expenses. And I think something to keep in mind is like, how much responsibility or risks do you have, right? Like for me, I have a house. I don't have a landlord. So if something happens with my house, I have to put that money down. Right. And so if you are renting and you don't have as much risk and perhaps you don't need as much of like the six month, you could be more closer to the three month because you want to invest the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I am definitely on that front of like, gotta have six months or else I will not, I will not move. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about buying a house. We we're both homeowners, um, that, you know, we both saved money for houses and all of that. I think that's in your twenties, early twenties, sorry, in your twenties, early thirties. That's something that a lot of, you know, us are thinking about saving for, um, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So in my journey, I guess like I come more from a a scarcity mindset of, I don't think I have enough to X, Y, or Z. And so in my mind, I didn't think I had enough to buy a house, especially not as a single income household. And it was actually like through a friend, um, that they were looking at buying a house. And whenever they started running numbers, I'm like, Oh, actually I probably could afford that because I am so savings minded. So, um, yeah, so I, I really appreciate that I had that challenge in my environment. And so then I started looking at houses. I started looking at how much the down payment would be. I realized I was really close to having like what that down payment would be. And then, um, basically long story short, I, when I was ready, I found my house on Zillow before it even like it was, it had been up for like five hours and I reached out to the owner, came here. I was my own basically realtor. I negotiated down about 10 K and got my house. <laughs> you just um, cut out those realtor fees. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like shaking honestly, but I had a, I had someone that helped me out that knew and they're like, this is what you should ask. This is what you should go for. Um, but all of that to say, I would have never thought that I could, um, buy a house by myself until someone in my environment like pushed me to do that. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to buy a house, just run the numbers. You never know. And also depends the area that you're in. Like, I don't think that I, as a single income household earner could have done that if I still lived in Miami, but I live in a small town. So I'm able to do that. I'm able to invest in it. And that's something that's a huge perk of living here too. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, we, Matthew and I purchased our first um, property, which actually was an investment property um, in January of 2021. And we purchased that house. It was on the market for $169 and we got it for $150, which was amazing. Like it had sat on the market for a couple of months. We were able to negotiate them down, even from like they had, they had already discounted the house. And then we got them down a little bit more, which was lovely. Um, but we actually only ended up putting about $8,000 on that house. Uh, we did have to pay PMI for about a year. Um, but then we ended up putting about $25,000 cash into the reno. And Matthew took the before and after photos back to the bank. And he was able to negotiate um, a reappraisal of the home. And so they actually... By, by raising the home appraisal, we got our PMI waived. So we no longer had to pay a fee for not putting 20% down on the home. And mm-hmm. that was a big, like, that saved us an extra 150 bucks a month on our nice. mortgage, which was amazing. Um, so that was our first, first time ever investing in property or buying something. Um, and then this past year, May... Actually, yeah, we closed in the house in May. May of 2022, we purchased a home here in Houston. And at that point, we had about $50,000 saved from both of our incomes. We were not traveling. We were like, <laughs> we, we were we were hunkering down and we were able to save um, a decent amount of money in um, a decent amount of time so that we could, so that we could purchase a home here, move here. And that was a big we felt the financial weight of that pretty significantly of like, okay, 
we had to recoup all of our savings. Um, and then once you buy a house, you like have to furnish it and do stuff with it. And so, uh, which I've talked about on the pod before, but I think that when you make any kind of big purchase, there are going to be sub purchases along with that big purchase. So it's like, especially when it comes to real estate. Um, so we, we, sort of had a little bit of a budget for furnishings and and things that we needed, but we probably needed more of it, to be honest with you. Um, And that's why we've been a lot slower to furnishing our house or doing any, like we haven't painted, we haven't touched anything. Like we moved in and everything is as is. Um, We want to do a little bit more this year from a financial perspective, like setting aside um, a couple thousand dollars to replace all of the like vanity lighting and vanity faucets and mirrors in the house. Like just things like that, that are actually pretty low cost, um, and that we can install ourselves. So you save money by being able to install things yourself. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting process. I think, um, being able to feel like you can negotiate comes with clarity in what you're asking for. So you need to know the value of what it is that you're buying and then what is your negotiation power, um, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to buying a home, I think, whether it's a home or even if it's an investment property. For sure. And I think also just looking at like how much you're spending on rent right now too, because you might be like, oh, I can't afford that. Well, if you just bring your savings up and then you're still paying the same, but towards your own home, then now you're like your net worth goes up, you have something that you own. And that was something that for me was really helpful was once I ran the mortgage numbers, it was going to be less than what I paid for rent. And when I purchased the house, it was right before the rates went up. So my rate was only like, I think it was 2.9% or 3%. And then now it's gone up like almost 30K. Like if I were to sell the house right now, it's like 30K more. Mm -hmm. So not only am I paying less for rent every month, but I got a 30K back in investment, which is amazing. I know most people experience that, but like I just, to me, it was just like, okay, well, I'll just own something and then, you know, like pay rent to myself. Yeah, it's got to make sense though with the macro environment, right? So like you purchased your house in 2021. We purchased our investment property in 2021. We had a 2.5 interest rate. This house closed on a 4.75 and now Mm -hmm. interest rates are at 7%. So it doesn't make sense, you know, regardless of, it it depends on where you live, if it makes sense for you to buy a house. Sometimes rent is way cheaper. Like if you live in Manhattan, yeah, you're going to rent. You live in LA, Chicago, you're probably going to be renting in these larger markets. And like, that's also okay too. It just has to make sense for like where you are financially and geographically. For sure. For sure. So walk me through some of your goals last year. Cause I feel like as just as your friend, you guys had so many shifts last year in your uh, financial goals, you bought the house, but then also like you really had some breakthrough and like you know, spending and all of that. So walk me through the, your goals from last year and like kind of where you guys ended up at. Yeah. Um, so the, the big goal was to purchase a house. And so we, we started the year knowing that we were going to be buying a home in Houston in 2022. So we automatically, we had already had savings walking into the new year. So we said, okay, if this is our price range and this is the percentage that we want to put down and that we're comfortable with paying like PMI on, how much do we need to put down to close on this house in this house range or like um, price range? Sorry. So that was a big goal achieved that that felt amazing. Another big goal financially was we went to Europe and I was Mm -hmm. in Europe for five weeks um, last like July, August, Matthew came over for three of those weeks and we wanted to be able to really experience everything that we wanted. We, so we, we were able to spread out a lot of that spending by doing a lot of our booking over a couple of months. And that's one thing I like about travel, especially in that, in that way is like, okay, we were booking hotels months out. And so then whenever you get there, you're, you're able to spread out your spending. So Mm -hmm. we budgeted for that trip, probably not as much as Matthew would have liked, (laughs) but we still had like, okay, we think that we're going to spend around this much. (laughs) And we were a little bit over, but that was like a huge accomplishment for our lifestyle um, yeah. of just 
we wanted to have that. That was that that in and of itself, that trip was an accomplishment. Um, It felt like we were at a place in our careers. We were at a place financially and in our marriage where we felt like we could do something like that and, and not necessarily ball out. Right. We're not, we're not doing chartered boats from Amalfi to Capri. You know, we're not staying in thousand dollar night hotels. Right. But just like being there for that amount of time costs money. And so being able to do that felt like a big accomplishment. And then I would say scaling back, I, I paid for an exec coach last year and it was very, very expensive. And while it was a goal of mine to invest in coaching, it was probably not the best financial decision for myself because of how much that it the investment was. Um, like we're talking, a, how many figures is that? A five-figure coaching investment, uh, which is quite a lot. So I think that while mm-hmm. that was an accomplishment and being able to invest in that way, by the end of our time together, it was like, okay, I really felt the pain of that monthly in my business Mm -hmm. expenses. So um, our contract ended last fall. So then I feel like I spent October, November, December, and now even in January, I'm like really in a good financial place with my business to where I can maybe hire um, a VA and like to help me with um, the Deeper Life podcasts and things like that where I can start outsourcing, but I didn't have the financial cushion because I was investing mm-hmm. in other places. And so I think like mm-hmm. when you're looking at your spending too, anytime that you're spending a lot in one category, just know that it's taking from another category that you could be spending. And like, you have to have acceptance of that instead of resentment of that. For sure. For sure. I think that's incredible. Like the the way that you've shifted throughout the year and the goals that you like set yourself to, and you like you're such a goal-oriented person. You're just like, I am dialed in. We are buying a house. We're going to Europe. Let's do this. And yeah. (laughs) And I think like that's the power of of having something to work towards. Because I think at least in my journey, if there's nothing I'm working towards, then it's so much easier for me to be like, oh yeah, let's just like go to spa in Chicago and just treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm like, treat yourself every weekend, Astrid. Like, that, we can't be doing that, you know? <laughs> well, I think, I, yeah, I think goals help me stay on track. Um, so, like, now we're budgeting for, we're going to do a trip to um, Belgium and the Netherlands in the fall of next year. Not next That's year. amazing. Fall of this year. The fall of this year. <laughs> Yay! And so it's like, okay, we know that we want to do, like, a 10-day trip there. What's that going to cost? Starting to save, starting to budget for that okay, we want to furnish the house a little bit more, make it more warm. Okay. What's our Mm -hmm. budget for that? And so by living within a budget, you give yourself guidelines to where you're not taking away from another category of your life. So it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we really overspent on the house. Now we're going to not be able to do this. That's my biggest fear. So it's like my mindset around budgeting has really had to shift because it's like looking at what budgeting gives me, not what budgeting takes from me. Yes. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to financial wellness is realizing that the more that you budget, it's just intentionally being like, this is where I want to be in life. So I am going to move my resources in order to be able to get there. But Mm -hmm. otherwise you still have your eye on where you want to be yet. You're actually running in a whole different direction. And that's what I think is just so powerful and empowering is it's not about how much money can we have. And like, we just want to be like millionaires and billionaires. Like, I mean, sure. That'd be great. But at the same time, it's the freedom that money brings. Like suddenly you're able to have more impact. Suddenly you're able to do a lot more things. You're able to bless the people around you a lot more and be like, no worries. I got this. Or I want to treat you like to this. And that to me is like the most empowering thing. Um, and yeah, on my side, yeah, last ask, year, like, what were some of your goals and how did, how did that evolve over 2022? Yeah. So in 2022, I would say that's, that's the year where I reaped a lot of my financial discipline in the sense that I always stuck to having my savings really healthy and my cash flow healthy. So for me, like having six months of savings is minimum. And then on top of that, having three to six months of 
bills and expenses in my actual spending account and cash flow. And then on anything past that is like spending fun money. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I started doing deeper work and then I realized I want to go full time in my business, then because financially I had saved and I was in a spot that it could cover me long enough, I was able to make that jump and decision quickly. And I'm so grateful because I'm someone who if I'm in, I'm all in. And if I'm out, it's really hard for me to be like there. So I would have personally really struggled if I knew that I wanted to quit my job six months later, but I was still there. Like my mind just, I don't know. I like, to me, that's, it's, it's hard. And I think it'd be hard for anyone. And so, yeah, so I really grateful that like I built all of that. Then I was able to quit my job And unfortunately, within a month of me quitting my job, like literally had like 20 to 25K of expenses in my house because my basement flooded and I had to like get a new water heater, a new AC unit, all this stuff. So I was very grateful for my savings. Yeah. But obviously those savings were like heavily depleted. Mm -hmm. So then I was very frantic and that's the side of being a full-time entrepreneur that you're like, oh crap. So now what do we do? <laughs> When's this real life? We've got to go out and, and we've got to make more money. And then it's yeah. like, who makes more money? You're the one that makes the money. Like you are. <laughs> yeah. Like I know that sounds ridiculous, but like as an entrepreneur, I'm not a full time entrepreneur anymore, but like that feeling of like, okay, what have I, I got to create something? I've got to open up more space, more spots, more, got to create a product. Like that urgency is is real and it it's yes. like it's it's terrifying it's powerful and it's a, I think it's a powerful place but it's also scary yeah what I would say was really helpful for me um in both scenarios is basically watching profit margin both in my business and personal so okay you have x amount of money coming in every month personally what is eating into that profit like do I really have to get my nails done? No, I cut that out for those two months. Do I really need a new outfit? No. Do I need the coffee? No. Like all of those things, I was like, we're down to bare minimum, Astrid, because we need to like be able to get our savings back up. Right. And so I did that in my business too, like subscriptions, like services that I was outsourcing. I was like, let me just do a little bit more editing myself. And so I think it's not all or nothing. It's knowing what your numbers are, knowing what your expenses are, and then knowing what those, um, if things are good, I have this, but if things are not and it's a saving mode, we peel away from that Mm -hmm. was really helpful. And I was able to recuperate like within a month or two um, of hitting hard the sales side of things, both photography and marketing, and then like peeling back on spending money. Um, and so from there on, once I hit like a more stable point, um, my goal was just to profit enough in my business to be able to pay myself what I was making at my full-time job. So till this day, I just pay myself that every two weeks and that's it. And then I have, and I hired my first employee. So that was really helpful. Um, and then from there, my business goal was to hit multiple six figures and I did. I barely made it, but I did. Um, Yeah. And so that was amazing. A full-time employment too. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Self-employment. Yeah. So that was great. And I think a big journey that has been hard for me during this period has just been taxes. Like, okay, now I'm an employee. So you don't only have just like the taxes that you pay on what the income that you make, but you also have employment taxes for paying yourself and somebody else. And on top of that, you have the sales tax for any like items that you've sold. And so there's like literally so many taxes Mm. and it's really frustrating because you look at all this money that leaves and you're like, you think about how much time it took you to get that and the hard work that it took and it's just gone. And so that's hard, but we are navigating paying professionals for that. <laughs> and so, yeah, as far as like goals from last year, for me, it was, I had a first year entrepreneurship, just hitting that sales goal. And second, making enough to pay myself. Cause before I was hitting those or hitting high numbers, but I wasn't paying somebody a whole salary from the company's 
like the account. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. And then personally, um, I spent a little too much last year (laughs) with that extra money. (laughs) If we're being candid, (laughs) this is a safe place. I think I'm really feeling around like, first off, I'm so proud of you for hitting the multiple six figures. Seriously. Like you are an idol testament to us all an icon. And (laughs) I am really proud of like, I think watching you make that decision to leave your job and learning more about how you manage your finances really inspired me to take my own business finances more seriously of like, Hey, I'm not, I don't want to build a hobby business, right? Like we're building a business business. So when, when things become a hobby, you don't take them as seriously. You, you don't necessarily look at them as often. And it's like, okay. So I really appreciate how much that has like inspired me for, um, I know we want to wrap up here in just a little bit. What would you say are like maybe one or two of your like big financial goals for the year ahead? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's investing. I want to invest. I would like to get to a point where I have the money to invest in a um, like duplex or something like that that I can rent out. Mm-hmm. So that's a big financial goal for me personally. And then another one is investing in like investment accounts. So yeah. for anyone out there, if you've heard of the, her, I think it's called her first 100K. Yeah. She's a, she's a woman and she talks, she breaks down investing and we can go away from the mansplaining and it's like a really digestible way. And so that's kind of more where I'm diving into is, okay, I'm working really hard and I'm in my twenties and this isn't going to be forever. And so how am I creating a, a business that is bringing in multiple streams of revenue and that when I'm in my forties, I'm not still shooting 20 weddings, a, a you know, a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the personal side, like also creating that. So that's a big goal. And then, um, I would also really love to save towards paying for like a family vacation for my family. So that's a, a personal goal I've shared before. And, um, yeah, I feel like that's, I, I have some sales goals for my business as well. And I'm in the process of finding um, a business coach. And I would love to like 3X my business. Like that would be incredible. I don't know what the timeframe on on that looks like, but I'm like, I want someone, I'm ready to make that investment. I want someone to dial in really, really well into my business um, and help me grow. Oh, I love that. Okay, 3X queen. We love to see it. <laughs> what about you? Um, yeah, Matthew and I are on on like the, you know, we're business partners. We started our own like land holdings company, LLC. So this next year looking at where might we want to purchase our next investment property. Um, our first investment property is going so well. Uh, we're kind of at that place. We're like, okay, where do we want to put money this year? Um, I actually forgot to mention that one of my big financial goals last year, and I don't know why I keep like downplaying it, but I I worked at a company called ConvertKit for four years. And because I was an employee there and they were a startup, I got issued stock options. And by the time I had left, I had like 62,000 um, options that I could purchase that had vested up till my leave date. And this past year, Matthew and I purchased them. We purchased them in like in their entirety. Um, so now if ConvertKit were to ever do a secondary um, stock option sale or sell a portion of the company, like I am 0.06% owner. That's amazing. That's um, amazing. So like actually owning the options gives me the ability to resell them at market price. Um, and that was like a really big step for us to put a a decent amount of cash down to buy those out front. Um, so that was a big like win for us towards the end of the year. And we were sitting on cash at the end of the year. And so we're mm-hmm. like, what do we, what's the, what's the smartest thing for us to do with this cash? So that's why we wanted to do it in uh, 2022. That's this, incredible. This next, thank you. This next year I have very specific sales goals for deeper life that I'm trying to hit um, like a consistent monthly you know, goal and then saving for a new vehicle, um, which is just more of like a lifestyle. Like I just, you know, 
I need I need a vehicle with safety features driving in Houston. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I need more safety features. It's scary out there. <laughs> Midwest girly, yeah, small town girl goodness. in the city. <laughs> scary. Um, and then I am uh, two like bigger trips this year financially, like going to Paris with my girlfriends for my 30th. And then um, Matthew and I planning another trip to Europe. Um, so those are like my big financial things. And then just less spending on clothes, less spending on like DoorDash and eating out. Um, I think we've, we've kind of got that dialed in, but it's, it's hard to dial in like that extra spending, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that's where I'm at this next year. That's amazing. One last question for you. I feel like you guys have shifted some of your habits in the past month or so. I know you have like your little bubbles and everything, and then you do like bi-weekly or like you, do you check on your finances every week or so? Like just walk me through practically in a month scenario. What does that look like for you and Matthew with your budget? Sorry. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to edit that part out. Uh, right at one hour. Um, and then then after, after you're done answering, just go ahead. My next call pinged me and like, they're going to be five minutes late. So, which is perfect. So yeah. I was just responding to that Slack message. Perfect. Um, yeah. So our our biggest source of like conflict and discussion and tension is around finances. Like just having different mindsets around it, different spending habits. So something that we really wanted to dial in, especially with Matthew coming back from South America, we were no longer long distance. Like we had a lot of things we needed to dial in. One of them was like our relationship together with our finances. So in September and October, we sat down and we're like, I'm, we were both tired of having the same conversations that didn't feel like they were going anywhere. So a lot of my tension was coming from not really having financial visibility. And so he would be like, you know, we're overspending in these areas. And I'm like, but I don't see it. Like, I don't, I don't understand, you know? And so we sit down now once a month at the end of every month. So like we did this on January 1st. We reviewed all of our expenses in December. So it's like, oh, we owe, the, so we have an Amex card and a United card that we both get points on. So we like book a lot of our travel from those points. Um, but we always pay off our credit card bill in, in, in its entirety every month. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, we spent this much on the, on the credit card. Okay, wow, that seems high or low. Let's go through that. We spent X amount on restaurants. Oh, that seems this. Let's go through that. And so Going and looking at each category, we use an app called Mint, and that's really helped me see where we are and us be able to have healthy discussions of like, oh, we realized actually, this is like a very tangible thing that we changed. We were spending too much money on date nights. Like we were picking restaurants and dishes that were just more expensive. And we spent, you know, a a decent amount in November and December on date nights. And this now we have a very specific set amount that we're trying to spend on date night every week. Nice. Because of that, we go, we alternate who picks the restaurant, but now Mm -hmm. we're making that decision. We're looking at the menu. We're seeing, okay, what's the price point of the food? Like even things like that, we're now this month, I know that we're going to, we're actually going to be maybe under budget on what we budgeted for date night. So us doing that together, Every month has been a big game changer. And then something I'm working on this month as like a new, a new habit and skill is to look at my own personal finances as well. Um, and doing that bi-monthly. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's amazing. I think the mint app is so helpful when it comes to budgeting. I do two apps. I do the mint one just to like see the overall net worth and like where everything's at. And then I actually do like the every dollar app from, um, Dave Ramsey. Cause then I track every single specific transaction. Mint brings in all my business transactions too, because it's grabbing the net worth. So the every dollar is more specific to my personal spending and I'm able to just like keep all my personal budget in line. And I know exactly how much should be going to savings and how much I have for everything else. I duplicate it. I add if it's if I know, for example, February, um, we're going to do girls night out in Texas and all this stuff, then I add that to the budget or if it's someone's birthday, et cetera, like planning ahead. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's the biggest thing is like 
kind of like with our physical health of creating a discipline is self-love. Now with your finances, creating a discipline of even like looking at it is self-love. Like this is your resource. It's part of you. It's part of creating freedom in your life. And no matter where you're at in your financial journey, being able to decide where do you want to go? What's it going to take? And are you going to, are you willing to put in the work and the discipline that it takes to get there or even just investing in resources to teach you how to get there too. So yeah, this has been so fun. I love talking money. (laughs) It's inspired me. I'm like, well, I know what I'm doing this afternoon after work. I'm going to come look. I'm going to do my, my first review of my finances. Yes. Yes. Honestly, same. I'm like, I need to like review my budget again. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you if you have, screenshot your podcast player and tag us on Instagram at inbetween.pod or just DM us. If you want us to talk about something specific on the show or you have a question, a follow-up question, we're always very open and would love to connect with you. You can also connect with me personally at Alexis Teichmiller or me at Astra Johanna Photo. And if you know one of your friends that's struggling with their budget, or struggling with their money mindset, send them this episode. Um, Hopefully they feel seen, you know, whether that's resonating with Astrid's story or resonating with mine. Like we, we come from very different backgrounds and I feel like no matter whoever listens to this episode is going to have like something to take away about, you know, building more financial wellness and visibility um, into their lives in 2023. So thank you for being a part of this community. We're genuinely so grateful for you. And we'll see you next week.